Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 215, episode 5 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Friday, December 17th, 2021, which means that, you know, it is National Miles Brothers Day, National Right Brothers Day. Yeah, well, I mean, just Right Brothers Day. Under National Underdog Day, uh, okay. Ugly Christmas Sweater Day, that makes more sense. And National Maple Scissor Day as well. <laughs> oh, they specified scissor? Yeah, scissor, yeah. Maple scissor? Uh, You're supposed yeah. to drink it out of a styrofoam cup? Came straight uh, up from the 504 boys, I think. Uh, <laughs> 36 Mafia collaborated on that one. Uh, well, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Stuck in a Well, and you're a cat, baby. You make Jack. The horny. That is courtesy of Matt Dick. At Matt Dick, though, uh, it is a reference to me saying uh, this is where I don't even remember what we talk about on the show, but I'm pretty sure I suggested that I have a fetish for cats being stuck in wells. Oh, yeah. Well, cat. We thought it was a website. Well, cat. Images that's right. Stuck now in a you're well. talking about my. There it is. Well, Miles, uh, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by. Yeah! Hey, it's Miles Gray, a.k.a. Nakajima Miles, you know, as I'm known in Japan. So just wanted to give, you know, six Jack was hitting y'all with his legal name. I'm going to hit you with my international name. So shout out to Japan for there you go. that. And Did your you alphabet. grow up with, uh, like, two names, basically? Your Japanese well, name? Well, I mean, you know, because Japanese, like, the alphabet is all syllables. So there's no way a Japanese person is going to say Miles. So right. we we have to use the le- alphabet that we have, so it breaks down to Mairusu or Mairusu. Oh. Like people put, you know, I don't do the ten thing on it. I go for su, not zu. But that's a personal decision. So I was, I was using it called like my was sort of like my grandparents, aunties, uncles kind of saying my my chop my that kind of thing. Our boys have Korean names that were selected by their Korean school. So. Mm. Wait. But I think we're gonna stick with them. <laughs> is that is there is there a process like wouldn't wouldn't like your 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 family My, have like a us <laughs> like your dad for <laughs> like your, but yeah, it was so blowing my mind like isn't yeah. there like a person who decides the name <laughs> yeah we just didn't bother until they started korean school and then they were like all right we'll 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 pick them for you okay what are their names and they're very very cute i'm not saying my kids names on wow national <laughs> podcast you want wow. me saying my kids korean names on the podcast <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you okay my bad my bad yeah they're cute though suri and chuna okay okay Well, Miles, we are thrilled, fortunate, and blessed to be joined in our third seat uh, by one of the smartest people I know. She's a producer here in iHeart's LA podcast studio, helping to create shows like Fake Doctors, Real Friends. She's a fabulous writer who you can read at Vulture, The AV Club, Team Vogue, Pace, The Advocate, many more. She is the brilliant, the talented Joelle Monique. Back in the house, still the Marvel Defender. So excited to be here today. How are you guys doing? We're great. Well, well. You you okay. have a new microphone, and it is I do. It is covering your eyes as though you it is. are to <laughs> reach like your Nick like, Fury. Right? Yeah, you had you had it over one eye, and you looked like Nick Fury. Uh, at one point, it was covering both eyes, and you looked like a, you know a witness on a like 2020 special that is like oh. trying to cover up their identity, but they're they're just like doing a real half-ass job. 
You know, it's hard when your brother edits the show because if you don't record right, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hear right. about it. And so I'm trying to get the mic right. You know, now that I got the a professional mic, like I've been podcasting for eight years or something. <laughs> I just got a real mic. This is crazy. I'm going to try to hold it here so I can make eye contact. No, don't. We'll no, no, don't do, do, do whatever well. you want. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I thought it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was actually. fun. Yeah. Well, we we're thrilled to have you back. How how are you doing? How have yeah. you been since uh last you checked what? in with Zeitgang? Friday, Monday was that? You know, for business folk, it's Q four. So <laughs> everyone needs everything right this minute. Don't yeah, not yeah. later, not thirty seconds from now. Do not take a nap. Do not do that other work because their work is most important. That's what yeah. I'm at right now. The six people being like, but now I'm like, you have to wait. It, it's coming. <laughs> Please believe me. I'm working on it. I have not forgotten about you. I've sent that email six times. You're still in my thoughts. The actions are right. coming. Can <laughs> you is. record this ad three days ago? Huh? <laughs> I, I can't. I'm not a time traveler, unfortunately. Ah. Damn it! Someone said you might be <laughs> <laughs> as a as a minor podcast uh, celebrita. If I can, if I call myself that, also other networks are now ringing me up and being like, "So our regulars are not available. Will you come slide in and help us?" And I'm like, "This is what I've been asking for all year. It would be weird if I said no." But I just don't sleep now. I went to bed at oh, like no. eleven. I was up at three. It's fine. Listen, we're gonna get all of it done, and it's gonna be great. And, you know, I, I got the things I asked for. So I'm going to just revel in that um, manifestation. Go. I exactly. did. Yeah. Get your worth. Get your worth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, Joel. we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Yes. First, we are going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about. We're going to check in with Omicron because it seems like it's been spreading fast. Yep. I leave for one day uh, in this, this damn <laughs> pandemic. What I do? Once again, what did you do, Miles? So we'll just talk about, you know, the latest on that. It's kind of a lot of the same, but we're going to talk about the new West Side Story getting raves, but did not bring in Bafo B.O. So we're, we're going to ask, why is that? Because the right, they have some answers for us. Yeah. They have oh, some guesses. Fuck no. <laughs> and we are going to uh, talk about the conspiracy behind David Bowie's forgotten video game, Omicron, The Nomad Soul, uh, that came out in 1999. <laughs> a lot of people forgot. We did not. And we were like to Rosetta tell the Stone. truth. Yeah. yeah. It unlocks the Rosetta all Stone to the, yeah. to the future. Right. All of that, plenty more. But first, Joel, we like to ask our mm -hmm. guests, what is something from your search history? Telfar Plum. If those uh -oh. words don't mean anything to you, Miles knows. Miles is aware because he's a hype beast. And through I Miles, I've slowly become a hype beast because he taught Justin about the stuff and now I'm learning about the stuff. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hey. Didn't teach me anything. Okay. Yo, I was going to defend, first of all, I knew Justin was not going to have I'm so sorry. Justin very much is his own hype beast. Yeah. You did not this guy was doing like the, the seven days of off-white after Virgil passed and I was like, whoa, oh, man. Oh, you keep it yeah. up the tempo, oh, yeah. sir. Super producer Justin. I just bought us uh, St. Virgil pins that I'm really excited about. Oh, nice. It's, uh, it's like the sainthood with like Louis Vuitton symbols. It's really cute. Anywho, Telfar Plum. Okay, so if y'all don't know, Telfar is really cool. Uh, comes from a guy named Telfar. He's Liberian-American. He designs handbags. He calls them like shopping bags. They sort of look like plastic bags almost. They go like just your classic handbag. 
two loop handles, one big shoulder handle, big T-E symbol in the center. They're simple, but they're classy. They come in every color. But the cool thing about them is they're like, listen, we can't be bothered with waitlisting and we don't feel like our bag should cost $80,000. That's ridiculous. So we will always sell our bags for the same price. It is first come, first serve. Don't call us beforehand. We're not setting it aside. There's no raffles or drawings. You just come here, you purchase, you leave. Mm-hmm. I love the system. I think it's really beautiful. All my besties have one, and I was feeling left out, and it's Christmas, and I deserve nice things. Fuck yeah. So I bought one in Plum. I can't, it's going to be here tomorrow. I'm oh. so excited. I have already planned the outfits. It's I got the cute little tiny one. It's like enough for maybe a journal and a telephone. That's all I need. I can't be carrying around big bags. I have a bad back. I'm just excited. I've done, I have all the shoes now. I've picked up my Instagram designer like wardrobe throughout the last year. Now I have the Telfar bag. Uh, whenever what? the world oh. decides it's safe to go out, girl is ready. You doing like outfit grids and shit? Yes. In your <laughs> Listen, mind, you know, like that's how you're getting organized with your drip. You're yeah. like, okay, let me look shoes. at this real quick. Okay, planning like when and where I can wear things, you know, like we're going out on Saturday to see the new Spider-Man. I'm already organizing the outfit and my mind. Listen, anytime you leave the house now, it's time for the drip. I know that because I went to brunch a couple of days ago and literally everyone was dressed to the nines for no other reason than we were outside. And that's this was now. this was something I was sort of suspecting in the like when we were first early in the lockdown and everyone had transitioned mm-hmm. to just give up a re as a fashion sure, choice sure. and now i was like but like r- the return of the drip is going because i remember the first time i went out i was like i am wearing every single thing yes. at once i don't care if this doesn't even look like a coherent fit i have to i have to get it out here but it's nice to see people really making uh denny's feel like the fucking met gala sometimes <laughs> we were at post and beam it's a black owned restaurant if you're in the la area go check yep, it right out by, it's... by Baldwin, in Baldwin hills yeah, ooh, so good. I oxtail yeah. hash. It, next level, insane. So good. That place oh, used ha- to be what a, our eat a burger back mm. in the early nineties, which I think oh, it's got has, that vibe. Okay, I think it has like a cameo in Boys in the. Anyway, that 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 piece of property right there in that shopping center right there on Stalker and uh, Crenshaw has mm. had many iterations. How are they keeping it so that it doesn't like get into the resale world or it already it is. is in the resale world? Okay, got it. Got yeah, it. yeah. Okay. You can get Telfars on StockX and like, got you it. know, the medium. Yeah, right they, now. Like, after that, it's out of their hands. They're mostly just concerned about like when we sell it, it's bought like low. And the thing is, they come out with a new one every two weeks. So if you miss a color, you're like, I feel like you shouldn't be that stressed. To, like, oh, I have, although I have been eyeing the mint one because it's mint. That color is <laughs> amazing. Dope. I'm not yeah, truly. Miles, do you have a do you have one? No, but I, you know, I, I like to keep my ear to the street when it comes to hype pieces and like what the what the youth them are uh, into into. <laughs> and I, the Telfar, I just feel like a I've, I hear it just by osmosis from the chatter around me. But then like on Twitter, I feel like so many like people have like these like tortured posts of like, uh, do I pay my bills or do I get this sur- <laughs> this small telfar in cerulean because that colorway is lit babe and then you're like okay <laughs> causing some people some uh make, making some hard decisions so joelle you did mention the new spider-man which is pulling strands from many different you know marvel multiverses i'm just gonna say it you don't have to confirm or deny i wouldn't be surprised uh-huh. if the uh marvel defender made a uh made a cameo but but i'm i don't know 
Okay. Might pop up. Might, might pop might, up. Let's might, just say. Might, listen, I've already seen <laughs> Spider Man. I'm not saying I can't say anything. I can't. Okay. But yeah. you know, if you may be if, doing battle with haters like Miles. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, what is something you think is overrated? Uh, I'm just gonna lay it all out there now. Okay. Old gays. I've had this conversation with you before, and I understand that at a time where nobody was effing with y'all, here came Madonna to be like, "No, voguing is the shit." Mm. And then she sort of stole it and then yeah. moved past it. So she's like, Willie Ninja? I'm, Who's that? <laughs> she, I never met him. Did not teach me to Vogue. Uh, I was just in these streets being a wild club girl. I think at some point, I get wanting a BBL, the whole body lift situation. I get it. We live in a society that really demands body perfection, particularly if you're going to constantly be on camera. I just really value women who, and, and no, let me rephrase that. I value people who can live at every age, mm-hmm. at every age comfortably in their skin. I think that there's a lot of value in that. I don't want to tell you what to do and what not to do with your body, but Madonna's new butt scares me. I think it's a really unhealthy standard for a lot of people to try to keep up with. I think the music has not been hot since, you know, early 2000. I'm just ready to be like Madonna was in her time and she did that thing and she really angered some people who probably needed to be angered and that was good mm-hmm. and okay and it's fine now can we I just want to move on from the Madonna conversation of it all yeah the I, I think I, I counted myself in that number of seeing those boudoir photos and like what huh what oh Mr. Hefs here and why and the butt should match the thighs everyone if you're gonna get one like just please match it like, just ask yeah. your person, like, whoever's doing it, to be like, can you make sure these are proportional? Because otherwise, you constantly look like you have a diaper but under your skin. And isn't that upsetting to you? It upsets me. Yeah. Well, look, there's, they're, still figure, they're still working the kinks out on that procedure, just, I guess, to, to make it seamless. They haven't bit. quite figured out the blending of the two. Like, uh, it's That's like when true. people got that hard makeup line below their chin. Right. Mm-hmm. Their it's neck. not like the new facelift like, where they go in through your cheek. And lift it up so you don't look like you've been stapled back, but it sounds like it hurts a lot because they like they cut in through your cheek, remove some of the fat and then lift up in there. Ah! So all the weird pull stretchy parts are hidden in your mouth. What? Oh, my gosh. I'm fascinated and disturbed by plastic surgery. I love that it's an option for people. I think you should be able to look and feel like however makes you feel best. But I'm also deeply disturbed by the lengths we go to to try that we have to feel comfortable Right. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the fact that you like you had to go under and get sliced up. It says a lot about our standards of beauty. Yeah, right. absolutely. That they're unattainable to the point that merely existing isn't enough because it's this such a specific look that like, yeah, mm-hmm. it takes a medical intervention to arrive there. And like the other part, like you're saying, like it if only we could normalize, you know, self-care or self-love. Mm. That mm. beauty isn't this thing that is measured by how many fucking likes or followers you have. It's... Well, or I, I'm a kind of person who finds such beauty in like the in a different face. Like all these girls, the like Instagram face. I'm like, your face just looks like everyone else's, right? That, and and like all the girls like trying to thin out their nose with makeup. Like I get, listen, trans women taught us how to contour, and it was great. We thank you 
as somebody who's frequently trying to improve their contour, thank you. I really appreciate it. But I am like, again, just weirdly disturbed by the amount of people that are like, what I need is a pencil thin nose. I'm like, big noses is where it's at. I don't know where y'all have been, but like distinct features, like please give them to me. I just don't want us all trying to look the same. I think then then it becomes not beautiful anymore. It's You've made your face a product. <sighs> don't do it. Don't do it, right. folks. Like, your face is gorgeous, I promise you. It's about Someone variety. is looking at that face being like, oh, my God, amazing. Well, yeah, we're the we're, we're our own worst critics in the, in the when we look in the mirror. And I think that's the insidious part that it's difficult for many people to get over. Yeah. We don't know what we look like in the mirror. Like, we, we know what we look like to ourselves, but we don't know what we look like to an objective person. We are that's worse true. at judging that than other people are. Yeah, we can't that's judge true. our voices, our own voices objectively. Oh, Everyone man. thinks their voice sucks. Everyone thinks their face is fucking sucks. Like, just like, come on now. <laughs> we have to... We have to realize that there's just that little bit inside of us that is kind of giving you bullshit and not the truth all the time. I will say one bonus here is for people who are, you know, do find themselves wearing diapers underneath their clothes. It, you <laughs> can now be like, hey, I just got a butt lift. Right, that's, right. I got the. Duh, I got excellent. The, yes. You're like, Damn. so. And that's not something <laughs> I know about from personal experience. Uh, Grandpa looking <laughs> dummy thing. What What is something you think is underrated? So, like, I know along the West Coast, but I specifically went to the one in L.A., is this thing called Unique Markets. My friend took me there last weekend. Miles, have you been? No. Oh, my gosh. It is like... If it's a thing that requires me to leave my home, the Mm. chances are low. (laughs) You do have to go outside. That is the downside of it. It requires you to leave. I'm sold. But imagine, if you will, like an Etsy, but in person. It's an hmm. it's like an open air market where they hold um smorgasbord. No smorgasbord. Oh yeah, yeah, smorg- yeah, 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 yeah. So the, in that same area, but it's like all of these independent sellers around Christmas. I have a friend, yeah. my friend Casey, is obsessed with only buying direct for Christmas. So all of her holiday gifts come from like unique artists, small businesses. That's her whole bag. And I really like hopping on that train because, you know, small businesses, they're going to need more money around the holidays. It's the end of the year. They got to pay taxes next year. It's mm-hmm. a whole deal. Plus, it's nice when you can get someone a gift that you're for sure no one else got them. That's my favorite. Like, where did you find this? Let me you're tell like, you. And I, <laughs> I, It's just around. You know how I be shopping. It um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like six thirty to 60 of them. If you do, v- it's $12 to enter, 36 for VIP. We did VIP because we're fancy now. You get wine tickets. You can oh. drink a little, you day walk breezily around, and then you just shop. I th- I bought so much good stuff at what were like very reasonable price. I got a gold ring for $30. It is what? beautiful. It is not turning my finger green. It is, looks like a Cuban chain link. I don't want to take it off ever. I bought a new net, like several new necklaces. <laughs> I spent too much <laughs> money, but it just made me feel I got Justin t-shirts from like, uh, it was just, it's so nice to just like directly interact with somebody who's so excited to sell a product that they worked really hard on and then eat. You're giving them money, and there's so many black-owned businesses there. If you happen to be in like any major city along the West Coast, I know they just had one in Portland. I think they're doing one in San Francisco coming up. You should check them out because it, it you're, you'll feel good after going. And yeah, I feel like it's something I've seen like in other cities too. Though, like I just look at people's posts that like I know live in other cities, and like it looks like they're like at a mall, but it's a bunch of like independent 
vendors who are like selling yes. their wares. But yeah, like I feel like this is uh, a very, very welcome uh, event. Jewelry, ceramics, uh, candles. One woman was there. All of her proceeds go to like helping like dig clean water wells in Africa. It You will find something that you love. My friend bought all of her Christmas gifts. I was selfish and bought gifts for myself mostly. <laughs> you can do whatever. And it's just, it's cute and fun. Shop local if you guys are still trying to get your Christmas gifts. It's just, yeah. uh, it feels better. Mm. And so it's like a curated, like, I get not flea market, but like it's individual like kiosks, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone sets up their little stalls. Selling. If yeah. you've been to any kind of comic convention and done an artist alley, it's very similar. It's yeah. like everyone's got their like two little card tables and their wares are out. And I guess you could try to bargain. I did not. It's not yeah, in right. my blood. I just don't come from a family that knows how to do that. I'm always impressed when I see people being like, I'm going to walk away. I'm like, but you really want it though. Like buy it. And they're like, no, <laughs> that's the whole thing. You got to pretend like you don't Watch want it. It'll go shit. back. They go, yeah. They're going to be like, oh, we could do two Watch for the same price. Watch me like, down. It's impressive. Shows. I just yeah. be like here's my money. Like thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I I used to be like that until I sold cars and I understood that like what's what like the elasticity of a deal actually is. Uh, because I'm like okay, yeah, overpay for this. That's fine. And they would like laugh at you when you walked away. And then I'm like now I have a I have a more dialed in idea of like what things are worth or what I'm willing to pay. But like in a situation mm-hmm. like that, if someone's like actually selling, you know, their like handmade products. And they set it at that price. The most I'll do is like, hey, is there like a cut if I get like three? And oh. that's that's like the most I, I'll bargain these like in a, okay. in a context like this. If I'm traveling and I'm in some tourist trap type situation and I know that like sometimes I'm willing to pay like what is the value. But typically what I try mm. to do is I like to bundle. You know what I mean? I say, let me get five, but let me get a cut on that. Mm. Let me I get some points on too. the back end of this. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to be offended that you asked Miles if he knew about this, and not me. I'm sorry. I get it. I get it. You probably assumed I did, right? You were like Jack. Yeah, cool. Jack knows. I Jack see knows. Jack but Miles, Miles, have you heard? Because yeah, you probably saw me there, right? Is that why you didn't ask me? Because you saw me. Yeah, you know, whole family there, friends. and it was yeah, really yeah. cute. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't want to disturb you, so I, I kept it pushing. But I saw you, you yeah. had your bags. You're okay, ready. You're cool. doing damage. Jack slacks. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> Jack slacks. <laughs> I like slacks. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I go to I go to estate sales. I find some real cool slacks, and I just resell them. I put my own tag inside, though. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and uh, I guess the global pandemic's back, you know. <laughs> Did it ever leave? Uh, it's all I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, according to <laughs> most of America, yeah. So, you know, there are some things that are new about this strain. The one thing we know is that it's spreading fast, right? Yeah. There's speculation that this might be... Like the the right is really pushing the like this is the last gasp of the pandemic because as we discussed it's like more transmissible but less severe and so that just assumes that this is going to follow the same path as all pandemics which absolutely has not done to this point 
Mm. And that's that's based on science. Yeah, it's based on like one possible direction things could go. Right. And they're just like tripling down as they did at the beginning of the pandemic when libertarians were like, this is not a big deal. It's big government trying to scare you. And I think they still are. I mean, I guess there's no version of libertarianism that works with a global pandemic. Right. It's just like, Mm. I I guess y'all die. Yeah. But it's in a vacuum, you know, yeah. a very convenient vacuum. And even if we see this rapid spread, which is the one thing we do know is happening with less severity, it's still a lot of people getting sick at the same time, taxing hospitals, lots of deaths. It's all the all the bad shit that's happened with previous waves. And yeah, the the vaccine seems less effective at protecting against it. So, at least for like kind of contracting it but it still seems like the cutting down the severity that's right still holding because that was always the intent of the vaccine was to prevent serious severe illness yeah less effective than previous strains still uh it's not like useless for sure yeah i mean like on some level like you hear epidemiologists talk about it's like man like when they saw the mutations of the spike proteins they were like this is concerning but then they've you know, slightly dialed back that like it was completely monstrous. But the idea that this isn't anything to worry about or that it's because they believe or because of the data so far may suggest it could be milder, that that's a reason to just like carry on is completely backwards. And I think we're also seeing this like huge, I think, conflict between what, again, what Joe Biden was saying would be his how he would lead the country using science through a pandemic. And what we're seeing now, and like, I feel a lot of people are like, mm, we're not quite following what we need to be doing suddenly. And we're becoming more relaxed about things when really we should be, again, possibly reconsidering some holiday plans or some indoor gatherings because many, like, especially experts have, you know, rang a light alarm to say mm-hmm. it's definitely worth something to think about. Like, I get that people are vaccinated, but to think that this isn't, like we're in the same situation, you know, that we were in like the, you know, early fall or late summer is uh, is is not is not going to, to do well. Yeah. It seems strange to me that uh, the only thing we see is like, they're like, oh, well, go back to wearing your mask indoors for sure. Like definitely do that. Right. And maybe outside, too, if you're going to sort of be around. I just it's like confusing and exa- I think we're all just very, very tired and it would mm-hmm. behoove us as a nation to be like, what if we really did try to just take a knee? <laughs> For a minute. What if we really did just say, you know what, like at least two months, go indoors, like let's really legitimately have some time to get boosters. We'll bring back the checks to help people who need it through and like let's see if we can really like bring this thing down. I just the ability to just soldier on and be like, Oh, more people are dying. It happens. Is is Yeah. It's still hard for me to like wrap my head around. Even as somebody who again wants to go out and like has gone out, it's still it's weird. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the thing that, like, to your point, right? Of it sounds like we're not much better off than we were when the first Delta wave hit, when we were first Mm -hmm. having lockdowns that were looking at really bad outcomes. Like, the, with, especially when you look at how much the hospitals are overwhelmed and how much that has affected care in every other dimension, because hospitals are becoming places where, you know, people are even quitting because the job has become so difficult to deal with on a daily basis. You'd hope that we could have another breath to say, OK, so it's still a pandemic, 
we still have people who, because of their workplace or their living situation, are massively more susceptible to falling ill. We act, we need to begin to remedy that. We need to begin to think of what our contingency planning is. But the, I mean, we saw the the momentum for mm. enhanced unemployment benefits just slowly putter out. But along with that, we never got to a point where like, okay, the pandemic's over. Just well, and I don't know if gone. you. Like either of you have like immunocompromised friends, but like they can't do anything. Yeah. Like it's right. it's devastating. Like the most we could do is like I quarantined for two weeks and I can come visit you, you know, for a day because I'm sure I don't have it. I'll come directly to you and like mm-hmm. spend some time with you because like they can't go grocery shopping. They can't like they're afraid to even participate in like outdoor activities because they cannot fight off this d- disease. Like it's just uh it's just very intense for us to, again, just leave behind an entire group of people and shrug and just be like, well, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the just the point about, you know, the our ability to just move on from the deaths and, you know, just ignore the fact that hospitals are already taxed and quitting. And, like, it, it does kind of drive, drive home again the ways that this pandemic has I think, highlighted aspects of late capitalism that just no longer work or at least are, mm-hmm. have turned so monstrous and toxic that, like, the results are pretty, pretty fucking stark and kind of hard to ignore at this point, which, you know, the but all of that is examples of our society and our system's ability to remove humans from their context and just view them as the deaths of statistics the we view nurses who are quitting in droves and doctors who are quitting in droves as like a labor force that needs like replenishing and is like written (laughs) about as such and it's like no these are people in your community like that but we've just the whole system like it used to be that this was just work and like commerce and now it's like all culture is like kind of ruled by this. All communication is now ruled by these massive corporations who are just removing us from context and treating us as values in a algorithm instead of human beings. And I think it's more and more like both like the society is heading in a direction where like we're, better and better at removing people from context but like the results are getting so bad that i think it's harder and harder for people to ignore it right yeah i mean you know that's there's a write-up today i think in vox that was saying like how can people be expected to work through the apocalypse yeah which we're like in an omni crisis you know whatever you pick a subject and it's fucked up essentially unless you like very narrowly looking at like Hey, at least you got that plum telfar, you know, and I think those are the ways Truly. people find some semblance of a way to feel fucking good or treat ourselves to something that isn't merely looking straight into the void and not wanting our heart to collapse in on itself. But I think it's also, again, I think with Omicron, a lot of epidemiologists, to your point, are saying it's, it will again reveal the cracks in our system and our society where you're going to see, like with boosters, certain areas based on socioeconomic numbers are going to have better access to boosters but it's but also access for you know communities with less resources that's going to be a problem and that's going to an omicron is going to affect those communities to to still think that you might be fine because you got to this point in the pandemic by doing this that and the other 
isn't going to hold up necessarily because yes, this is a very different variant. And yeah, I, I, it, it is, it is one of these things where you'd hope that more people, it seems like most people who run a corporation or company, they're playing like they run their shit. Like they're playing Sim city, you know, right. like it's oh, so zoomed. The, they do. It's so zoomed the fuck out that you're like that. Okay. We need another fire department there. Click, 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 click build it. I don't know. It just happens. I don't, I, I don't have the context to zoom in to actually see what's happening on the street level where it's a completely different game and a completely different world. Well, yeah. in the same way that we can't comprehend how much money they actually have, I truly think that they cannot comprehend how like people who live paycheck to paycheck actually live and what that existence is like. Even if they at one point experienced that, they're just so far, again, as you said, like removed from the reality of it. You know, with Bell Hooks dying, a lot of her work has been circulating over the past couple of days. And mm-hmm. she had this belief that like fantasy as a as a genre as a form of escape and she tied this also to like just our purchasing of things you know is is actively destroying us as a society and it made me feel a little bit bad about my telfire purchase but she had this idea that like you know by grounding yourself in reality is the only way to bring about radical change right and i've been thinking about that a lot for the past couple of days because we are in a moment that requires radical change mm-hmm. radical being fast and the exact opposite of what we've been doing, particularly when it comes to, you know, not just how we treat this pandemic and not just how we're going to ratify what capitalism has done to us as a people, but also on like a global like um, omni crisis. Yes. Back to the omni crisis. And I just I wonder if we have the ability specifically as Americans to divorce ourselves from that fantasy as a person who's obsessed with fantasy, both as a, a genre and as a form of escape, I find myself trying to escape from reality a lot, whether it's through purchases, whether it's through my love of Marvel and other television series, whether it's, you know, even through my work, you know, as much as I, I want to turn over a capitalist system, I'm also obsessed with my work. I spend a lot, a lot, a lot of hours on my work. And I just don't know if we're prepared and I don't know how fast we can get prepared to actually make a difference to face our reality. Right. Because on some level, right, we need the radical, like you think about the radical change we need at a governmental level, right? Just mm-hmm. to even dial back the idea that corporations can buy and sell Congress people like that. That mm-hmm. would require drastic change and change that the people who are going to be affected by it, it directly affects them. I don't have much faith that they're going to be able to implement something that completely changes the power dynamic in which like how elections are won. So then you're like, hmm, okay. That's kind of difficult. And I, you'd hate that, like, the real grim nature of how unforgiving and how brutal and barbaric, like, this system is, like, has to touch you before you might begin to have a change of heart about something. Because there are many people who are very invested in a system that aren't able to see that it's directly contributing to their lack of resources. And, and divesting from the system is so hard. It's going to take actual... Like you have to, you're going to have to sacrifice yeah, right? and yeah. truly, truly invest in that sacrifice in order to divest from the system. And that's really hard. Asking people to willingly take less, you know, asking people to willingly give up the status that they, they value. And I just, I just don't know if we're going to get there. Right. Yeah, I think a lot about the idea of like on-demand manufacturing, which is something I only recently kind of learned is the new like model of capitalism is the new way that people 
make things is that you have to react quickly and start manufacturing like based on demand, but you never have like a stockpile that's sitting in the warehouse because it's like a, it cuts margins a little bit. And this was adopted as like the more profitable way to, to do things. And, you know, we've been in a global pandemic now for almost two years. And the way that the economy has reacted is to just stick with that and still like not have the stockpile necessary for like massive spikes. They basically just like baked the death into the system and just been like, all right, well, I guess we're willing to live with that rather than, you know, building the stockpiles that are needed, adding a bunch of nurses and doctors to the system to get ready for the next pandemic or be ready when this pandemic spikes spikes up again. Like we've had the time to do that, but like there's just the inertia of like the this current system and like even like new kind of versions of this system just get locked in and like it's like you can't fucking break out of it it's it's really like the you know some people talk about capitalism being the like sort of artificial intelligence that we were afraid of in our sci-fi movies but it's just it's already everywhere it's already impossible to defeat Mm -hmm. and it's actually us but it's like a system that can't be controlled and anticipates any attempt to contain it and that that just that example specifically like makes me <laughs> makes me realize like how how hard this is to to defeat where we have a type of manufacturing that is like marginally more profitable and we can't get people to stop doing it even though we're in the middle of a pandemic and it like killed a bunch of people yeah and I'm, and i think the, just to, to sum that all up and you think about like, OK, well, who has the ability to do it? It's elected officials, unfortunately, I guess, in a legislative sense. I mean, if we were more organized, then who knows? There's really no limit to what people could do collectively. But and currently the way things are ran, we have to look at our, the leaders in D.C. who already are articulating that they cannot fucking evolve at all. Like Nancy Pelosi was asked very directly, should fucking members of Congress and their spouses be allowed to hold and trade fucking stock while in office. And she said, this is a free, this quote, this is a free market. And people, we are a free market economy. They should be able to participate in that. That's already, you know, like, that's our just like th- something that seems like low hanging fruit. Hey, can you not fucking trade stocks when you're in office and you maybe have your ear to the street in a way that other people might not and be able to mm. profit off of your position? The answer is, Ah, oh, come on now. What, what, come, no, no, it's a free <laughs> we still market, have a right? generation stuck on equality and not equity and has not bridged this gap, which I, I feel like we've been talking about for at least the past 15 years very openly and succinctly and clearly so that school children can understand it, that there's a difference between everybody gets to do something and this is a society that allows everyone to live in a fair and consistent manner. Yeah. Frustrating. Nancy. Frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Not great, Nance. Not, Not great. great. Not great. Find a new angle. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some pop culture shit. And we're back. 
And so we do we do like to keep an eye on the uh, box office, you know, hey. see, see what people are watching and what they aren't watching. And this past weekend, people were surprised by how few people rushed out to the theaters to see Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Like just great reviews, great word of mouth. And it got it pulled in 10 million in North America ticket sales, uh, which is, you know, it, it cost over 100 million. So they were definitely hoping for more than that, you know, just from a broad, like kind of entertainment reporting sense. They are comparing it to previous like Spielberg movies, which tend to be like sci fi and not like he's never done a musical before. And musicals tend to have really long legs because people like to go see them or they hear, start hearing the song and that movie the greatest showman starring hugh grant was like started out somewhat disappointing at the box office and i think it ended up making like 300 something million even more than that 437 yeah. million in worldwide ticket sales by the end and it was a terrible movie yeah and it was bad <laughs> so was maybe terrible. so maybe there's hope for this uh, west side story movie but of course right wing outlets like breitbart <laughs> were quick to lay the blame solely on uh, Steven Spielberg's raging wokeness. Because... Mm -hmm. Go on. Well, you know, the guy <laughs> the who made Indiana Jones and in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, Warlord. in which oh, Indian no. people are literal monsters. Uh, that guy is supposedly just too woke. And yeah, I, I, th I think they're pointing to the casting of actual like people who are puerto rican to play puerto ricans mm -hmm. and except the, for maria right except for maria which i know like i, I think a lot yeah. of people were feeling some type of way about that where they're like you sure. almost did it you almost did <laughs> so it so close. close so uh, close i mean she is colombian american so i guess you know it's not like having uh like a white person in brown face or right Rita moreno like in the brown original face yeah right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i mean i think that was another thing where a lot of people were like you they're for all the other points that like they were hitting, I think other people were like, if you know, if if we're gonna actually have like advisors on making everything authentic as possible, like why not, you know, honor the 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 character's origin? And why not replace Ansel Elgort with Tignataro, like we already did with Chris Talia in that one action movie? <laughs> Just bring, First of all, bring I would Tig absolutely in. see. Tony. Oh my goodness. Tig would kill it. Tig snapping and like popping the shoulders. Just so dry in a musical. It would probably be so brilliant. You're like, Tig Nataro's completely upended what we even thought a musical could be. Also, Ansel Elgort is like already inadvertently deadpan and dry. So. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yikes. 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 Nope. Not, you're not incorrect there. What they have found a better way to say that they did not say as eloquently when uh, Shang-Chi came out was diversity doesn't sell. This is what they're trying to say, and they've been saying it for a while. And they, I think they really revel in the idea that if a movie has a cast that is not predominantly Caucasian, that they're like, see, no one wants your diverse bullshit. What we want is more white people, which is beyond ridiculous. I think there's a number of reasons West Side Story isn't doing as well as they hoped straight out of the gate. One, I think the advertising for it has been that of a traditional musical, which is the wrong way to go in a YouTube generation. The theater kids have never stopped loving theater ever, period. They will come see these movies. Grandmas and moms are going to come see this movie. But 
a, a lot of things have changed over the course of the pandemic. One, as quickly as we were getting DVDs pre-pandemic, we are getting to streaming services so much faster. If this is a movie you're going to want to watch over Christmas with your family. If you can, you're not going to be able to watch this one at home, but you'll right. be able to watch it in a few weeks after this. And so, like, why not just wait? It's fine. Right. Two, the way it was advertised was very like, here are these big scenes and it's like flashy as if we like just got CinemaScope or Technicolor. These are not the things that impress so much anymore. Right. What you needed to do was release a couple of key scenes, right? Yeah. Everyone says that... Um, Maria. Not Maria. Uh, is the lead. Maria's bestie, cousin, maybe, if I remember the movie correctly. But the woman that plays her character, original character, is supposed to be, like, the standout. Like, the thing. She is incredible. She was in Hamilton. She's queer. Y'all should have leaned with her scene and been like, look at these blowout stars. The girl who plays Maria has the loveliest voice. I haven't heard a full song yet. I've mm -hmm. heard little clips of not the most musically impressive, like, as far as vocal performance goes. It's it's the classic on the balcony scene. We don't have any of the fight scenes, which are supposed to be so good. Like, all they showed us, they, they advertised it like it's a superhero movie, which is a thing I think is a problem across our freaking landscape of cinema right now. Not everything is a superhero movie and we right. have to have to have to stop but they trying make money to... but they make money is they <laughs> and think no one else does nobody else department. has been able to replicate this process that marvel has of like here's an entire cinematic universe and we've had twenty six thousand tries in the past five years of people trying to do this and these like no spoiler release get over it a spoiler is not that big of a deal because a spoiler is not giving you the entire experience of right. sitting through a movie and because they didn't do any of those things, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, I'll see it shortly. I'll see it later. We are also in another wave of the pandemic. This is not a Marvel movie in which you have to see things or it will be spoiled. You know the story very, very well. There's just like a, a bajillion reasons why this didn't sell. But to blame it on anything other than it's a crazy freaking time and we have to wait, I think is short-sighted. A lot of people are like, oh, the musical is dead. No one wants to see musical. I know that when Wicked comes out, it is going to cause such a frenzy. Such a stir in the box office because it's just that type of musical. It's a pop musical, mm -hmm. which tends to lend itself better to film in the first place. Right. I think they I think they messed up by not having enough Air Force Ones and Timberlands in the trailers. <laughs> that was something they could have done more with. Or maybe it's just what the the right is saying, which they're blaming it all on was subtitles. Or lack of subtitles. Yeah, that's one. That's the thing that is being called out. Oh, they don't, right. They don't use subtitles when Spanish is spoken. <laughs> by, that's why. I'm, by not centering it on, like, the American non-Spanish speaking per, right. person's perspective, they, they have ruined it. But that's the, the, the big failure there. Oh, look what they're... Oh, okay. So everybody speaks Spanish here now? Okay. <laughs> And that's the the problem with Steven Spielberg, who's so damn woke. Yeah. But that just feels like a like the easiest attack from the right these days is like, oh, yeah, like they're not doing well because they're against uh, transphobia. Right. Like, huh? What? Yeah. That that's the I guess that's the dynamic they're so desperate to establish is that considering other perspectives is the, you know, the, the recipe to go straight down the tube. Another just point that people are making about the box office, like actual people, not people in the right, are saying that the reason it didn't do well at the box office is it's clearly like aimed at old people because uh, mm. it's a remake of a 50-year-old musical that definitely feels like 
when my dad told me that West Side Story was his favorite movie as a kid, I was like, huh? I was so surprised. I was so surprised. <laughs> but it's not like a movie that like, you know, everybody like knows the snapping and stuff like that. But it's not a movie mm-hmm. that I feel like people, I don't know, talk that much about anymore. Like that had a cultural, like a huge cultural legacy. And I mean, it, it has a cultural legacy, but I guess it, it's <laughs> just. The it Natalie Wood. It didn't I'll put it this way, it's Ira as... the third's favorite movie. Culture icon Ira. Oh, it's yeah. his favorite movie of all time. I really feel like it has like a lasting it's it's Ro- everyone loves the story of Romeo and Juliet, Jack. But I think that's I, I've yeah. never heard of them, Romeo and Juliet. Stop. Uh they sound like a, a lovely couple. But I I guess I'm just saying like it's not this thing that everyone was like, oh shit, they're making West Side Story, like other than like people who are older, like that felt like a bigger or have, deal. Or have the palette and interest in musicals and things like that. I mean, I, I acknowledge how like gigantic West Side Story is because I felt like in the eighties and nineties, like in my school music classes, like that's all the teacher would talk about. You're... It's like and then West Side Story, you're like, okay, like I'm trying to learn the trumpet. But that like, was your teacher. <laughs> all you keep talking about an is older person. Story. Yeah. Huh? Right, right, right. Teacher. So but, all I'm no. saying is, though, <laughs> the pandemic, during the pandemic, older audiences, understandably, haven't gone to movies. Right. Yes. And so that is, like, the very easy and obvious reason that this didn't do that great. And it's not the thing that Breitbart is going to tell you about. Right. And even, like, to Joel's point, like, I'll watch it when it's streaming. Because that's the, you know, the barrier to entry is much lower. And it's just merely like, oh, yeah, like I actually kind of want to see this because I'm really I'm really curious, like visually, it looks really, really cool. And that's the thing more than because I'm not really a fan of musicals, but I'm like, no, 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 I like I like how this looks. I like I like the vibe I'm getting from it's the screen. Steven so Spielberg's I, I think first musical. Right. Oh, my gosh. Like just from, as a cinephile, like you're like, I right. have to know how what did he do? What he does. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, real quick, we do want to explain the the truth about the modern world to you. And conspiracy theorists have cracked the code by pointing out that there is a mostly forgotten 1999 game for Dreamcast, Sega's oh, yeah. failed console that I think only released like one wave of games. And then they were like, ooh, that did not go well. Hey, but shout out to Dreamcast because those games are so easy say, to pirate. That right. was like, and if you had, had one, it, it was everything. Yeah, yeah if yeah. you had it. I got one because the homies at high school could get you any game for, like, the cost of a CDR. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. But anyways, in 1999, they kind of gave us a little peek, a little pinhole look into the truth behind the veil, the, the world as the Illuminati know it, with the game Omicron, the Nomad Soul. Omicron, you're saying? How... Mm-hmm. how the fuck huh. did they know the future? Okay, and you know, the truth is that it's because the the, the Illuminati is real, or because <laughs> it's an actual letter in the Greek alphabet. Uh, okay, okay, but okay, forget okay. about that part. Go back to the part where they predicted the future. Jack. Yeah, so <laughs> I got to blow past that detail that blows apart this conspiracy theory. So they thought up of the word Omicron. Go on. <laughs> yes, they came up with the word, and then. <laughs> And then also the virus actually told scientists what its name was. Scientists didn't give the virus that name. So that's what's so amazing is like, how did they predict it? Because the virus was like, hey, what's up? I'm Omicron. I'm Omicron. Uh, okay. Yes, like that game. <laughs> hint, hint. But so the thing that was notable about the game at the time is that David Bowie not only did the music, he's 
in it, kind of. Yeah. It's like a blue facsimile of his face surrounded by what looks like a bunch of post-it notes. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's just very poorly rendered. It looks like... Jack, he's punched into the internet, man. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it looks like somebody was like, jack me into the game! And right. uh, this is the result. I mean, he plays a character called Boz, okay. and the players try to save their own soul while hunting down a serial killer, and it features demons government conspiracies, and ancient religious orders. So, I mean, did QAnon write this game? Or did this game write QAnon? Thank you. (laughs) But people have latched on to the fact that this game was released by Bill Gates himself. (laughs) Or he was the head of Microsoft while a company that was a subsidiary of Microsoft uh, developed the game. No, no, no. Come on. No, I don't like that detail. Bill, Bill Gates, Gates personally designed this shit. Called Omicron because he's letting people know his plans in advance through a video game that you just have to stare at long enough for the details to come out. Yeah. Well, okay. he's just got to let them know. You know, it's a little little trick he's playing on us. You know, he's like he's like one of the, the villains in a Sherlock Holmes thing. where he's Are there up. like... Within the game, I mean, there's always going to be stuff that conspiracy theorists point to. Like, it's nailed on, man. Well, Look yeah. at this part. How could you deny this? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Not even that. Sort of. Uh, I mean, so tangentially, people have pointed out that David Bowie also predicted the future because on his Ziggy Stardust album cover, he's standing under a sign that says K West on the cover. Okay. okay. Which is obviously a reference to Kanye West, which he like brought with him from the future to create and change the face of music. Yeah, that's that's the best that I got. There's also a theory that Bowie faked his own death because, you know, when he died, Sky Sky News in the UK interviewed a music music industry executive who looks exactly like David Bowie. Yeah. In a (laughs) way. It's almost like a joke version yeah. of David. It's like if David Bowie tried to dress as like a dude who had no David Bowie swag at all. He even mentions that the news of Bowie's death makes it feel like a part of himself died too, which is just like, all right. Wait oh, and they're like, see? That's <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, y'all. I mean, I do like, though, that with the, the Ziggy Stardust thing is that there's like that track five years on it and they're being like almost Five years to the day after Ziggy Stardust was released, Kanye Omari West was born. (laughs) I mean, now I do have now I do have goosebumps, actually. okay, all right. That actually did it for me. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, uh, David Bowie, Bill Gates clearly teamed up to uh, give us just this strain of the coronavirus. (sighs) Weird that they just focused on this strain. It'll work to, to tease, but anyways, Joel, you seem stunned uh, by by all the <laughs> truth I'm dropping on you here. <laughs> so I I don't know if you guys know, I'm a huge um, fan of Bowie's last album, Black Star. Yeah, and so I was trying to see if I could deepen the conspiracy because there's a lot <laughs> of like hidden messages about his death, particularly in the song Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Girl loves me has some very interesting themes that could potentially, you know. It's a lot about sort of hiding and all of a sudden I couldn't do it. I could. My brain is not as fast as these uh, conspiracy folks. But I think that if you want to deepen the conspiracy and you're interested in this, you should definitely check out Black Star. 
and just try to go deeper on this. D- Bowie was leaving us messages everywhere. I believe in the video game. I believe in Black Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope that Bowie is not part of Omicron. Maybe he, I think he was trying to warn us about it. He was like, there "Yo, it it's coming. Right. It's gonna be the one it's that really tra- you really got to pay attention to, like this eighth version, fourth version. I don't know how many versions in of Corona we're in, but whatever it is, he was like, "This is when you really need to be paying attention." Well, Joel, as always, <laughs> such a pleasure having you. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? Y'all know me. You can follow me all over the internet at Joel Monique. That's J O E L L E M O N I Q. U-E. I forgot to grab a tweet. Damn it. Hold on. Oh, I got it. Okay. Paramount Pictures tweeted out Bullock Tatum and Radcliffe introduced the official trailer for The Lost City. If you guys like Romancing the Stone, it's back. But Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum and Daniel Radcliffe are in it. Daniel Radcliffe plays the bad guy. Bullock is the writer. And Tatum is a romance cover star a la Fabio who wants to save Sandra Bullock because he's in love with her. My favorite part about this tweet is Brad Pitt also makes a very important cameo in this trailer and he is not mentioned in this tweet at all. If you haven't seen Romancing the Stone, please go get your whole life. It is so, so, it's deeply funny. Like, split aside funny. And this trailer... I literally cannot wait for March 25th. It, it feels like a older, like classic. You guys know I'm really into 90s and 80s films. Yeah. Not to be that person, but I am. And it has those vibes. It's like weird and cheesy and goofy, but funny and also has a huge freaking budget. Uh, I can't wait. Lost City looks like it's going to be so good. It's also called The Lost City of D is the name of her book, which is funny if you like it's The Lost City of Dick. It's a romance novel. It's going to be great. It's going to be so good. That's amazing. Miles, where can people find you? What is a tweet you've been enjoying? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray and also the other pod, 420 Day Fiance with Sophie Alexandra talking 90 Day. Um, Some tweets that I like. Uh, This one is one uh, from at Jesse Case tweeting, it would be hilarious if alcohol had gotten stronger since the 60s like we did. Your dad tries to sip a Coors Light and passes out. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... It's it's always the refrain whenever I've like burned up with older people. It's like, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't like back then. (laughs) Um, And yeah, could you imagine if somehow our tolerance for no, actually, no, that'd be a hellscape if you had a sip of a Coors Light and then passed out. But anyway, like, I mean, if it it actually made them pass out instead of be insanely drunk, that would actually be not the worst thing in the world. All right, that was actually mine, but I will also uh, oh, really? shout out. Yeah, Michael Benjamin. <laughs> wow. Great MF Benji tweeted me, it's cold. Worst person you've ever met. You think this is cold? I'm from, <laughs> and then in parentheses, by this point, I've turned off my I'm brain. from Chicago, B, yeah. and it is not that cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There they are. I will be that worst person. I don't care. <laughs> all right, have you not been cold at all this, since this uh Listen, streak? okay. Because I bet it's, it's relative, relative, right? Because I bet part of you, your your body gets used to this Californianness, and you forget your Illinois Miles. Roots. I was trying to make a point, but <laughs> there was frost on the roofs yesterday. I had to turn the heater on. My father disowned me. I'm not allowed back in the city of Chicago <laughs> wow. now. Uh, it's over for me. But also, I am like I'm mentally aware that it's not that cold, but physically, my body refuses to accept that, sure. and I did have to put a blanket on. There you go. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? 
Just uh, some good old-fashioned instrumental music from the JB's, James Brown's backing band, uh, which is just chock full of fantastic musicians in their own right. I mean, you know, Maceo Parker? Heard of Maceo Parker? Heard of Maceo and the Max? Anyway, but yes, very talented band, but this track is called Theme from King Heroin, and it's just a great track. I've just, again, with with the weather and the indoor nature of our current season this is something nice to have in the background it's got soul to it it's got a little bit of funk to it it's just just a great track so theme from king harold all right well go listen to that the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that's going to do it for us this morning but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending and we'll talk to you all then bye bye bye, bye.